Shutdown full Am cast. I'm punished for telling you to keep it tasteful because we have company. No, yeah, a little bit. Right. It actually went like, I was like, well, how do you do it game show style? And then in the middle of it, I started to run out of breath, so I got louder. And that's really story of my life. I started to run out of breath, so I got louder. Then I just had to ride it back on out to like the classic finish because I can't do a proper game show voice when I'm doing the shutdown full cast. Welcome. It's not possible. By the way, that is our way of introducing you to the Shutdown Fullcast. This is the internet's only college football podcast. You are listening to the dulcet and winded tones of Spencer Hall. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Holly Anderson. Say hello, Holly. That was the dog, not me, making that noise. Yes. Uh, and Jason Kirk, joining us from Windy, Kennesaw, Georgia. I'm in no. uh, Epcot, Canada. That's where I am. Windy, I don't Epcot, I, I don't... Canada. I don't Wait, live in Kennesaw, Georgia. We're not. We're not doing that anymore. Around. You live in. Holy Can- shit! He is an Epcot. Yeah. So Are Andy, you? Here, here's the proof. Here's the Ottawa. The uh, the uh, Ottawa Apple. Let's try this on here. Uh, no, really. Jason <laughs> is currently on a Zoom call, live <clears throat> from the Canada Pavilion in Orlando, Florida. I wanted to go down by the waterfall, but it's too loud. The wind is making up for it, though. Are there but, any uh, Epcot truckers there? <laughs> yeah, I'm here as part of the uh, the uh, the Canada Freedom Convoy. We're just walking back and forth, like uh, down to ranch some rams. Yeah, man, me Normal. and the Ram Ranch boys. Uh, we're uh, we're disrupting things. Uh, took our <laughs> pants off. That, that that for some reason the rest of the Freedom Convoy didn't quite get the joke, but we kept our pants off. Um, you can hear another voice on this podcast, so we'll jump right to it. Uh, we do have uh, a guest. On the podcast today, and a very special one. If you watched Jeopardy last week, you may have seen a gentleman in mustache and a spanking vest underneath his suit coat. Uh, he is Lawrence Long, who had, uh, I believe, a three-day run. Is that correct, Lawrence? Three days. It is on the fine program. Three days is correct. Yes, it was a big time, but it was not a long time. But Lawrence advertised himself. <laughs> Uh, with the program's full endorsement of said title as stay-at-home uncle. And in case the full cast was not going to let us know about this, it turns out that we have more than a couple of connections to Lawrence anyway. So we thought, well, we have to get this man on the program if we can. Some magic transpired via our North Carolina mafia. They made it happen. And Lawrence Long, Jeopardy champion and uh, full cast listener. That is correct? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes, he he admitted that in public. We have it on record, Lawrence Long. Thank you for joining us. First of all, I'm going to ask a question everybody wants to know. Stay at home, Uncle. How, how on earth did you, one, get that past the dudes on the show who, who approve all of this? And, and two, uh, please speak to the accuracy of said title. Okay, the accuracy is is strong. Like, it's mainly what I do. Uh, I pick up the niece, I drive her to basketball practices, I prepare food for, I mean, like, it is it is a labor of love, and uh, it doesn't pay well, but the rewards are eternal. Um, how did I get it past the dudes at Jeopardy? I was, I knew as soon as they said, okay, we'll go with this. This conversation took place on October 24th of 2021. I called the producer there, and I was like, I kind of feel like a nursing student and a stay-at-home uncle. And I explained to him a little bit why, and he said, oh, that's a great story. So, it, 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 I mean, it wasn't necessarily me entirely subverting the Jeopardy process as much as them giving me the space to, to tell that story a little bit. Um, but, yeah, so stay-at-home uncle is, is about the, uh, the, the process of caretaking, and that's uh, – that means a lot of different things, but it also was the 
the way in which we view identity is entirely based upon the way that we view it. And for me, it became a process of saying, what are you passionate about? Why are you in North Carolina? Why are you here? And making sure that my niece had enough space to thrive and grow up was what I was passionate about. And so um, you just go with that. That's beautiful, man. Now you are from, uh, what part of North Carolina are you from? East Bend. East Bend. It is Bend. the East uh, Bend of the Yadkin River. Serber country. Yeah. That is, for those who are not quite as North Carolina literate, uh, I believe this is part of the Piedmont Triad, if you want to be yes. real specific. If that doesn't ring any bells, uh, it, it would be between I-77 and just north of I-40, uh, west of Durham, north of Charlotte. You have to frame it in terms of football schools. So just, thank you. Yes, just just south or of Greensboro. Uh, yeah, green, yeah, and, and just west, of, a little bit west to north of Greensboro and Winston-Salem. Just south of Mount Uri, for those of you who are big mm -hmm. fans of Andy Griffith. Um, is that where you're from? How'd you end up there? I was born in Winston, um, and uh, we moved out here when I was about seventh grade or so. Did you... Now, you... Prior to being a stay-at-home uncle, I want to cover the work history before we get to Jeopardy because it's right. a fairly interesting work history. You initially said sommelier. Were you for real a sommelier before you became a stay-at-home yeah. uncle? And is this is this the sassiest job resume ever? This is a real um, of several tropes because now we have the extension of wine aunt into wine uncle. Yeah. Right. Um, I like yes, I was a sommelier. My, so I went to Clemson for my undergraduate and got a degree in English. And uh, then I did something very peculiar, which was that I went to Naropa Institute and did a two-year uh, physical theater program, which would have been my Friday uh, anecdote if I had made it to the fifth game, was I studied the theater of Jacques Lecoq, uh, which is like mask work, clown, puppetry, mime, uh, Charlie Chaplin-esque, Buster Keaton sort of stuff, but uh, a very intense, like, confined art school sort of space. Naropa mm -hmm. is an entirely different basket of worms. Actually, I believe uh, there, if you go back and check the records of the EDSBS Charity Bowl, you might see uh, a contribution somewhere from the Naropa university fighting shambhalas which is not at all their uh their mascot they don't play football but uh yeah. i used to make them as a school on ncaa 2006 so i remember this because as a drama kid i was like we have somebody there and that yeah always no kind so of I, I, came through I remember naropa. this very specifically naropa is famous because alan ginsburg founded it and it has the jack kerouac school of disembodied poetics um <laughs> It was founded by a also a, a monk who died at the age of 46 of cirrhosis of the liver. Um, you know, it's a space. It's a Boulder is a fantastic, weird space. Uh, but so I did that. And then I came back to North Carolina and I started working in wine production in North Carolina, which is a thing. And then I moved to Chicago um, and at a restaurant on the north side in Evanston, actually, uh, Northwestern. Uh, um, actually, Northwestern uh, graduation was our big day of the year. I was at a restaurant with uh, 600 okay. bottles of wine, ranging in price from $40 to $10,000 a bottle. What? I have to work in one more football joke about Naropa, which is that at home we call it the Colorado School of Mimes. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm kind of amazed they've never run with themselves. Uh, what kind of offense was Naropa running, by the way? Were you a spread? Were you running pro style? Was it a triple option? I was running spread. Actually, yeah, so this was around the time. I was, I was in Chicago during this time, and my friend and I were playing these dynasties. I actually remember that I, I applied to the University of Michigan head coaching position because they posted it online. And I had mm -hmm. also run – the NCAA 2006 had a, um, a Heisman mode. And so naturally I went to New Mexico State. And created a. I had just finished Ulysses, 
so I created a like a six foot six quarterback named Buck Mulligan, and yeah. won the Heisman four times with him. Uh, and it was we were running a version of the spread, and so that was on. I applied via email to the University of Michigan for their head coach, head football coaching position. I got an email in response, uh, in, uh, that basically said, "Thank you for your interest. Uh, the position has been filmed." But how did that work out for you, Michigan? Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say, you were a much cheaper spread offense candidate in the long exactly. run. Exactly, right? And do you know how hard it is to win the Heisman at New Mexico State? That is a a place of, uh, well, I actually did work in New Mexico for a little bit. So, what what were you doing? Okay, this is again part of the job history. Not many yeah. people get to New Mexico on purpose. That's usually an accident. There's uh, a shockingly small number of people who live in New Mexico. Hal Mummy, uh, the spread offense god himself and father of the air raid, uh, used to say that when he recruited there, that there were more elk than people in New Mexico. Uh, how did you end up in New Mexico? So the financial crash of 2008 happened. And at the time, I was actually trying to get a, a bartending gig in downtown Chicago because I'd moved to Chicago to pursue the arts and I wasn't really being able to do that. Um, so it was kind of bad timing on my part, but I went through six interviews for a downtown hotel daytime bartending gig that was scheduled, like said that they paid like $30 an hour. And I was like, if I can get in that pocket where I'm making $30 an hour, I'll be good to go and I can continue to do my arts stuff. And you know, it's a livable space. I go through six interviews for a daytime bartending job the last Mm. one and everyone else one through five is like we love your wine knowledge we love your demeanor we love all of this stuff the last one is a dutch guy who's like a big executive within this hotel chain that shall not remain shall not be named and uh, he looks at me and he says your sideburns are not luxury and i don't know why you were passed on for this (laughs) your sideburns are not luxury (laughs) right we're like luxury sideburns explained at any point like that sounds like renaissance shit like i guess i'm picturing like enormous um ancient muttons chops or something or (laughs) no these were probably down to about just below ear or so i mean i I was still working in 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 evanston at the time but when the financial crash hit i was kind of like okay well this is obviously like trending this way so i was here's my financial advice to you as a jeopardy champion don't buy real estate in 2007. um i had purchased a a condo in chicago uh you know making a living doing the sommelier thing and then all of a sudden you're faced with having to pay mortgage payments in a bad uh market for people that are in the service industry so i took a gig with the help of an uncle by the way in Deming, Mm -hmm. new mexico Uncle Mafia. Um, I opened a food and beverage operations for a family entertainment center. Deming, New Mexico is about 100 miles west of El Paso, um, about 30 miles north of the border. There once was a Pancho Villa raid there. And uh, so this facility had 16 bowling lanes, six movie theaters, glow-in-the-dark putt-putt, and... Uh, what was the other one? Oh, yeah, it had an arcade. New Mexico, Gatlinburg. Running... How did you ever leave? This place sounds awesome. Perfect place for uncles. Yeah. Well, my niece was born. My niece was born in... So that, that takes you in the time frame of 2009 to 2010. I was living in Las Cruces and driving to Deming every day. And oh, um, my niece was born, and so I, my services were needed back east. So I. So you were uh, living in Uncle Heaven, but then you became an uncle and had to leave it. Right. Yeah. Mm. That's how you it works. You descended That's from Uncle Heaven to, to Earth. Right. Yeah. And then you know, like it takes it takes a while to mold an uncle into the space that you want. I had to learn. There's a learning curve for it. So you you have to uh, you have to be adaptable and moldable. I have a I have a question. I've I read somewhere that. Um, your outfit the first night of jeopardy you mentioned being molded like into an uncle you mentioned that your outfit the first night of jeopardy was kind of like a tribute to like your uncle that uh 
that 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 did kind of help mold you what what was what was, who was he uh what was his lasting impression and damn he had great fashion um so my uncle dave uh who passed away in 2014 um really taught me a lot about it. so my uncle dave and my uncle john both went to georgia tech in the 1960s they grew up in cocoa beach florida so actually let me take you one step back all right. So w- before we get too much into the, the relations aspect, um, I am a byproduct of Tiger Gym, but the Tiger Gym was merged with one that I think Spencer would all appreciate, which is that my grandmother was from New Zealand. And so you merge the Tiger Gym with the New Zealand aspects of it. And that uh, Kiwi that South you... Carolinian is some rowdy That's... energy. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Wow. Where aren't you from? You're, you're from everywhere. <laughs> you, right. you got you got more hometowns than the Rock. Right. Yeah. He's uh, a pan there's uncle. also a little bit. So my other grandparents were from Hamilton, Ontario, and uh, Person County, North Carolina, which is you know over towards Burlington. But anyway, so my uncle Dave was these two like brothers were going to Atlanta in the 1960s and uh, going to Georgia Tech like you do. And um, they, Dave wound up becoming a civil engineer, but he did like, he had some sort of very peculiar PhD in like psychobiology from Florida State, which I was like, what does that even mean? Like, so, well, uh, but apparently it had to do with like Buster by any chance. <laughs> Because right. um, I feel like we're heading for another origin story. Psychobiology is some Metal Gear shit. Right. Yes, yeah, yeah. psychobiology from, is nano nanobots and psilocybin. <laughs> I looked at your right. arm from Florida State as well too. Like, what, what are they doing? <laughs> so, um, actually, my uncle wound up doing like HVAC work for hospitals, which involved. So there was a, a point in time where we were at the beach, and. My aunt Hot, my auntie Hot, um, who is a one of like the direct Anderson descendants, she was the one that moved to Las Cruces. She was visiting the beach that week for our family reunion, and my uncle Dave and my mom were there, and they were having a conference late at night. My uncle Dave, who had been working on HVAC units for the hospitals, had brought two industrial smoke bombs. Uh, and to show them, my my cousin John, who's in the photos, that you, he's the one officiating the wedding. Um, he's Dave's son, and he had uh, set one off on the beach, and it just like there was smoke everywhere. Okay. They use these things to test the ventilation systems in hospitals. So we're all in this beach house together, and all of a sudden, smoke starts pouring out of the ventilation systems, and everybody that's in the house knows exactly what's going on. So we're all cool. We're just like, hey, let's, you know, smoke's coming in. Let's just go outside. The neighbors don't necessarily know that. So you start getting fire. My mom and my uncle Dave take off down the beach, not even knowing that it's my great aunt that actually suggested. Wait, like at a run? Like your mom flees the scene? Yeah, my mom leaves the scene. At this point in time, my dad had been engaged in a drinking game with my two cousins. And my two cousins had been drinking, had been cheating, excuse me. And so my dad was left to discuss to the fire marshal while, like, absolutely shit-faced that it was just the kids, you know, and their smoke bombs setting things off. And, you know, that was why they had to call all of the Pauly's Island, like, emergency services. We actually made that that incident made uh, the state in Colombia. That's <laughs> thrilling. Your uncle, so that, your like, uncle resume. That that's like a deeply I'm strong a, uncle resume already. Okay, can, yeah, can I, I'm going to try to find this article now. All right. Yeah, you find you find the article using so it, the it Canadian Disney internet. It would have been about like ninety. It would have been probably like right after Hugo. So yeah, early nineties. So like, yeah, because they hadn't suffered enough down there. Right. Um, this is th- this is very th- like your uncle resume is already very very strong. You have the diverse employment background, uh, including seemingly unrelated professions next to each other on the resume. You also have the experience of uh, having an ancestor named Tiger Jim and smoke bombs. What else 
goes into the uncle resume as far as rowdy behavior eccentricities and or uh, other assorted lore that your niece is obviously going to have to pass down? I think that it, it you you have to approach it from the standpoint of being a vessel for it, right? Like you can't plan the rowdy behavior. You just have to, like, for me, it became a, a question of looking at my niece and, and wanting her to uh, take on challenges with a gusto, with a fear that no matter if she failed, that the love and the support of the uncle would be there. And this is also going coincides with my own capacity and own desires to undermine my sister, who I love very much. Um, but like that's that's the way an uncle has got to be. It's got to be supportive on one hand. You can't have one without the other. Just simple uncle chaos without the support. I mean, it, it, it's not the same flavor. Makes I, you think. It, it, listen, makes makes you think. Now you you are currently preparing to uh, you're taking prereqs for nursing school, right? Yeah. But while you're doing this you apply for Jeopardy. One, are you a longtime fan? Moderately. So my, my, I'm more of a long-term trivia player. Um, our mutual North Carolina friend and I like, like to go into, to, uh, so I live near Wake Forest and I don't know if you know about how much Wake Forest costs, but it's, it's a little bit of money. So one of the favorite pastimes is to go into bar trivias and dust up some law students. Uh, you know, dust up some medical students. Uh, the trivia, the Jeopardy aspect of it. Uh, yes, I was. I mean, I watched it when I was a kid, but I was not specifically like steeped in the lore of Jeopardy in the way that I probably should have been, um, which is a preparation question. But uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I was a fan of Jeopardy, but I would say I was a casual fan. So you you take the online test. Mm -hmm. You are then. When was that? Spencer's trying to figure out if he's been I'm totally by an using you. I'm totally I'm totally You're trying like, to figure out if Jeopardy's going to call you back. Full disclosure, I am currently part of this process allegedly. <laughs> okay, I I actually there were some tweets uh that I saw of yours and I was prepared. I was prepared. I was like if I walk in there and Spencer is standing there, like I need to be prepared for that. So, um no, but he wasn't because you bested him already. You bested me already by not only being on the show but winning. Like I am now. I read. I read Claire McNear's book, and we'll get to this. But I'm convinced that I would go in and just skunk because there are so many people who are obviously really smart who get on the show. Also, there's a lot of paperwork involved to get there. It's true. Uh, and you and I and so many smart people who get there and just absolutely get skunked. You apply. Uh, you take the online test in 2020, correct? Is it around March? Yes. September. Okay, so March, September 2020, you take the online test. When did they call you back about anything? June um, was the first one, which I'm guessing that it, it came because you can do it online now. I guess that they were starting that process of applying uh, for the next season coming up once they had gotten because Jeopardy goes into the off season, I think, in May. Um, so I, I think that it was around that time that they started doing that was around the time that I heard of a number of people starting to uh, get calls. And then when did you actually get to? I love you doing this math. I'm sorry. It's oh no, no, no! I want to give an idea of people for like for like how long this is going on. You're just like going about your life. When did they actually give you the call to be like, hey, come out to LA? So the f I took the second test in June. I did a follow up and a gameplay. So. I had auditioned once before in 2013. And during that time, I got called to New York and went in and took a second test in person and auditioned and like did a little bit of interview and gameplay portion there. This time, the difference is that I knew that I had passed the second test because they gave me a call for a second Zoom session where they did uh, an interview and a gameplay. You, they never tell you specifically like, what it takes to pass the test. There are rumors about what it is, but they never actually tell you whether or not you passed. And then I, that happened late July and early August. I actually went out to New Mexico to empty out a storage unit, um, which had been rented since I left uh, in 2010. 
um, which I did. And then I got back and I got the call in the end of October. And when you get that, when you go out there, like what is, what is like, do you go out there and is it like a cattle call? Are you waiting? Do they tell you exactly when you're going on or is it just kind of, Hey, be here for a week. We might use you. We might not. Nope. They tell you when they're, when you're flying in, um, they will give you a, an exact date. So I got a tape date and said, we guarantee that you will be on one show. That's not necessarily the case if you are in California and can easy and get to the studio easy, more easily. Um, they use a number of alternates there. And so there were, there was a woman that I played in my second game who had been an alternate the day before at taping and they just called her back for that. So what they said is we guarantee you one episode of jeopardy. You have to win to keep going from there. But, uh, if you fly out, which they don't pay for until you actually win. Um, if you fly out, you had, you get one game. So, um, I was looking at it and looking at the expenses of flights and, and everything else. And I was like, well, I absolutely have to get second place because unlike wheel of fortune, if you get $10,000 and finish in third place on wheel of fortune, you get $10,000. If you get $50,000 in jeopardy and you finish in third place, you get $1,000. Um, that's it. Yeah. So I was like, I have to get second place. Nothing else like matters because it's the difference between $1,000 and $2,000. So there was somebody online that said I was playing like I, I owed somebody my life. And I felt like that was a high compliment. <laughs> it's called Jeopardy. <laughs> it, it felt, right? Act like you're in danger. Come on now. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Thank so. you. Um, what category were you hoping not to see? Because I always think about I always um, think about this. I'm like, well, what would I not want to see? Like, I don't want to see if I get up there and it's like the Bible. I'm out. I'm done. I'm over the whole column. I'm not getting a single right. thing right. Yeah. Um, I think the ones that I struggle with in in that term, I knew uh, I, I was pretty soft on pop culture like songs after 2015 like i knew that i was weaker on that because there's not as much where you can just go and look at like okay here was like jeopardy likes the list stuff that you can learn as opposed to learning like culturally where that is and for me like the 90s stuff is much easier because i grew up during that time period whereas i'm not as tapped into you know spotify or, or all of these things that that creates a cultural context now so to any extent, is that because, like, music used to be very clear. It's based on albums sold, and now everything is, right. is like, streaming has, has messed everything up. Like, I would imagine that makes it harder to predict what they might ask about. Because, like, right. now there might be some musician who's very famous, but has never sold a single CD. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I, I, for me, it was like, okay, what are you looking at specifically? Are you looking at the, the albums? Are you looking at, you know, charts or things like that? So it, it's... And even then, like you're not just going and looking at a list of things, say, if you looked at the top songs of, of 2018, you need more context for a lot of the pop culture stuff. Because um, my thesis on it is that I used to call it vibes that Jeopardy like asks you a vibes based question. And what I mean by that is like they won't in the category <laughs> no, of like history, they'll ask you something that is that is uh, they'll ask you about an opera using the historical context of it so let's say like this opera which was written so they want you to take these two keywords opera and the the egypt and they want you to get to aida right like so it's the they're using context clues that if you don't know something immediately you can actually like use this technique to take a tuning fork and ring one thing and then ring another thing and then the synthesis of the answer is there uh, to do that at a, at a fast rate is is pretty amazing. Now, there's a myth, I think, about Matt Amodio that he was that he was saying what's and then like doing this calculation in his head. Like if he was doing that, that's insane. That's like the next level of what this is as a sport. Go 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 back over that for those who might not be familiar. Who was that and, and what was he doing live? OK, so Matt Amodio started in season 37 and then won 38 games 
over <laughs> one and a half. I don't know the exact figure on it. I mean, I was studying a lot of his games leading up to it. And I think in one game, uh, I, I remember looking at it and Matt Amodio rung in on 44 of the potential. He got 44 of the potential 61 clues right in the game, <laughs> which is just like, that's, that's nuts. You, you showed up on Jeopardy, you know, like that's. <laughs> They should have, they should have Call of Duty kill streak music for that. Like if you're right. if you're doing that, would that. Be an amazing Twitch thing to do. It really would be. Somebody that's, who's that's like, like uh, Steph Curry green light, like, Pavlo Pavlo so, so, inbound. So what people are thinking is that he is buzzing and then using that extra second or two to continue formulating right. his answer. Like what what do because they base he said that theory he would, on? He would phrase every answer as what's regardless of if it was a person or not he'd say like if it was george washington he'd say what's huh. washington and and people were getting mad at him for the you know because people get mad so at like, people so like he had trained himself it's almost like he had trained himself like to have two physical reflexes to buzz in at a certain moment to you know and, and then to have that that what's as a beat while his brain is just working in the background the entire time trying to get part two of the question yeah. That's exactly. Uh, that's just smart to me. I'm sorry. Get partials. Yeah. Yeah. I. I would like just. That's, he's. He's try, He's like speed running. You know. This is. This is a. This is a Super Mario conundrum. What a cliff jump, though. What's. Hope the word <laughs> arrives. Yeah, right, right, every right. time it's a cliff jump. Right. Every time, like I can't not respect that. Like I get why people are mad at it, but I can't not respect that. I, I do. Yeah. I do like that he is. He's basically taking my airport approach, but with Jeopardy. He's like. I will do everything I can to miss the flight and still make it. <laughs> Fuck it. Cooper Cup down there somewhere. Yeah, Cooper Cup down there somewhere. Cerber, <laughs> what were you going to say? There, I just wanted to come to Uncle Skip's defense um, for a moment. There was a moment, I can't remember which, uh, your, I think it was your second, um, when they she's, they got you for something. They were like, what, and yeah, that's correct. And watch your phrasing. And I and I got so I got so hot. I was like, "That's bullshit. That's just East Bend, man." He there was a form of a question. You just don't know. <laughs> that's your problem. All right. Uh, I just want to come to your defense. Right. I mean, if we were doing this in Spanish or French, like the the question is implied just by the way that you raise your voice. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Um, no, I just that was a that moment. I found myself passionately getting up out of this exact chair and being like, "Huh? He said it right. You just weren't listening." <laughs> um, with the buzzer, I also want to ask: the buzzer is uh, the buzzer is tricky, is it not? People do not seem to realize this that the buzzer yeah. has its own sort of like delay. It doesn't. You can't ring in until uh, the host is done saying the question and not a second before. Like it, it's a it is an unusual thing that like I know uh, from Claire's book reading that people have a lot of trouble with. Yes, I and I, I read Claire's book as well, um, <laughs> and and when I got there, you know she she lays out the kind of differences of opinion about the ways to go about it, whether you go off the light or you go off the sound of the the host's voice, and so I'm trying to process that while I'm there, and I found that when I tried to process that, I could never get in. And then I had to completely zone out of it to actually be able to answer a question on it. Um, you kind of have to just dissociate from thinking about the buzzer to actually, for me at least, to to, to get in. Do you get so you do you get like practice with the buzzer and like uh, adjusting to how long it takes? Shout out Claire, by the way, SB Nation alum, Claire McNair. That's true. Yeah, the book is but, phenomenal. But like, do you do you get to? Uh, push the buzzer and see what happens like before you're actually live and everything so the they do a practice game and you play the practice game in segments um the uh so you don't play it like you everybody has to be have rung in on the buzzer at least once or twice uh for them to move on the practice the the segments there then but what they do in that practice round is they leave the scores up so you're you're taking on it becomes like a podium relay race, and so you I was in the middle podium with Kelsey who played in my four, in my last game, and Dave who is the current champion, and uh, we were you know like for the rest of the day we were looking at each other just being like middle podium because the middle podium won the uh, the the practice game of Jeopardy, and I was actually super nervous when they called me first because I you know 
I was trying to hide a little bit from the, the, the glare of all the contestants. And they picked me first. And I'm like, ah, I just didn't want to be picked first. And then uh, Kelsey comes up to me and she just like raises her fist as I'm getting my makeup done. And she says, uh, middle podium. And I was like, all right, cool. And then like as we're getting ready to play in, the, in what wound up being my final game, like Kelsey comes up to me and we just have this kind of like quiet moment of respect. And then uh, then she kicked my ass on the uh, thing. So, you know, respect <laughs> to, to Kelsey. And for all of that, for all of that ass kicking, she got two thousand dollars. So I'm I'm so glad that that she beat me in that game because at least it, you know by that point I'd won enough money. So um, the extra thousand is uh, definitely useful to her. I hope. So, so like when it comes to preparing for Jeopardy, uh, my main question is like, is listening to the shutdown forecast is that like resistance training? Yeah. Like, if your brain can remain <laughs> smart while listening to this dumbass podcast, does that like yeah add difficulty to your training? Um, my answer, as with all things, is muscle confusion. Right, guys. That's right. That's right. How did it affect your body? Did affect your body, How does it help by not helping at all? It's, yeah, but no, it's about I, actually, working. Well, actually, it's about working harder. Yeah, not smarter. Right, and and I think that that like the capacity to process all of it because if you. I mean, I sent you guys those those Sporkle playlists that I was doing. If that's all that you do, you're not going to do well, because that type of knowledge takes a long time to graft onto your brain. Like I did mm -hmm. years ago, I did all the capitals, and it took me a long time to get 120 Supreme Court justices in my head. Um, I, I did the flat. Like as you do that more and more, you you start to pick up the ability to do that. So I was like super proud that I picked up. 206 world flags in the span of like a week and i was like oh that's awesome um i did not get a flag category which i would have you know destroyed um but doing that type of preparation was was just simply a part of it and mm. it's something that in terms of, of the way that schools are being taught now they don't teach that recall like i when i learned the presidents i learned to do this rhyme thing with the presidents but it doesn't it doesn't give you any context for it i'm glad you brought that up though because like i'm not a jeopardy person and i haven't read claire's book although she is a wonderful talent uh it is my failing not hers but like gathering this information and retaining this information and synthesizing that information are three completely discrete skill sets and like being good at just two of them isn't enough in a situation right. like this well, I was, uh, I, Spencer will be happy to hear this. I was having trouble with synthesis clues. I realized about two weeks out that I was not going to be a super champion. Like my scores were just not good enough. And you have to, you have to process that in a way. And my thought being like, if I had a year to prepare the way that I prepared for the last six weeks, I could have gotten to the point where I was unstoppable, but I knew that there were just so many gaps and so much stuff that I, I couldn't quite fill in. And the, you have to, you have to code that timing in over repetition. And so I knew that that was coming. I mean, I also knew that I could like win a game here or there, but, um, when I realized that one, it was like incredibly freeing. So Spencer will be happy to know that two weeks out, I started doing the New York times crossword and that yeah. like, the crossword helps you like take those those clues that are you know the the ringling brothers karamazov which is not actually a thing but you're synthesizing something out of two disparate things mm -hmm. um and it, it's also it a great way to your... make a whole bunch of topical halloween costumes right i always thought you had to have kind of a broken brain to be really good at jeopardy like there's lots of smart people on jeopardy and there's lots of smart people with broken brains because any other person cycles a lot of this information out for organizational purposes and storage mm -hmm. just a, a well clean brain just you know shuffling all of this stuff around whereas somebody who's good at jeopardy is a hoarder they've just hoarded yeah. all of this stuff in their brains and they don't know where to put it and in fact sometimes it just like a like sticks together right and just that's basically what they count on happening is that you'll have enough of these things stuck together that you'll answer, you know, 47 out of 61 questions or whatever. Right. And, and, uh, surgeons don't always do the best on Jeopardy. And they're like, Oh, well you have this beautiful machine of a mind that does this thing. And it's, it's clear of all. I mean, if, if I knew all the things that I knew, I would probably not want me operating on people. So, yeah. 
This said by somebody who is going into a medical profession. That is what you are preparing to do. But also, like, I'm now, I've been on Jeopardy, so I can let it go, hopefully. Like, that's the next step. (laughs) Um, But post game, what did you do? Like, you just kind of, you just kind of have to, like, book a flight home. You're like, well, I got to leave Burbank. I knew that I was, I knew uh, that I was leaving the next day because the next taping day, had I won, it was going to be, I think, December 13th. So they're like, and they will fly you back if you, um, they'll fly you back if you win. Um, so they're like, they cleared that with me. Um, but when I flew back, I was just, uh, it was kind of a very, like, I didn't process it very much until I was flying back from uh, Denver, which was, you know, like, it was a very, very, I was exhausted. Direct? Um, so I had, bu- I had to book my flight out oh. there. Okay, sorry, I got that backwards. Okay, I was like, they made you do like a three hop. Okay, it was just too um, offensive. Yeah, I went to Charlotte. So. You're a hero. Damn, couldn't even could, couldn't even get in PTI. Hate to see it. Right. Yeah, couldn't even couldn't couldn't even give you on the, get you on the Jeopardy. Wait, beat. did you get to fly out of Burbank though? No, I flew into LAX. I actually. What the fuck, so, man. I knew that uh, (laughs) they, I knew that I had to be on the Sony lot on the 29th for a COVID screening. Mm. So they said, you have to get here Sunday. So I flew on Thanksgiving day and I went and I have some friends that live in Palm Springs. I went to Palm Springs for a few days and I purposely said, like, I'm not putting anything else in my brain until I play the game. Cause anything that I cram in now is going to just go out immediately. Um, so I was in Palm Springs for a few days and, uh, you know, yes. went around. I've never been to Palm Springs. So this is a good, this is the only good time of year to go to Palm Springs. Right. Because it's not 90. My, is there any benefit my... to like pruning brain cells in that process? Like, like you don't want to add any more stuff. Do, do you also like have a few adult beverages to sort of, sort of trim Just away go. cells that aren't pulling it, their weight? It will help you. Hammer? Certainly. Yeah, I mean, if you if you can take the edge off of like the nerves that happen, yeah, I mean, any any like marginal advantage that you get there, I mean, w- we used to go bowling at a place in Chicago where you know like you would get a Miller High Life and you put some Bob Seger on the jukebox, and like that improves your score. Like if you drink, <laughs> like a, a certain amount of Miller High Lifes, I mean, any amount of Bob Seger is obviously like enough performance enhancer yeah is this right like that yes. one beer that makes you really good at pool yeah yes I think exactly so. yes okay but like if you reach past the tipping point it just becomes a mess right right everybody's reaction to magic beer is specific to their own fitness goals uh i will without any further notation or support remind everybody that one of the greatest celebrity jeopardy players of all time was cheech Marin. just just saying Man was probably in the right frame of mind. <laughs> yeah, the speed there, he had the speed. That's the impressive part. Mm-hmm. Well, if you go in too fast, you get locked out. So you have to he be the just patience. right. Right. And so it, he was whatever that balance grass. is between mm-hmm. calming your nerves and still maintaining enough motor control to do it, that's you know that's where Cheech Marin just laps the all. Yeah, like the greatest, like the greatest celebrity players are people like, I think Jerry Orbach. Jerry Orbach was a monster well, <laughs> uh, on Celebrity Jeopardy, as was I think Andy Michael Richter McKean was really well. good. Michael McKean is a beast. Uh, Cheech Marin was really good. Um, there's a lady I'm forgetting who was really really good too. Um, Thanks. Yeah, I mean, like, no, there's 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 a, a real hero. I... <laughs> Sorry, ally, ally, ally. But yeah, I'm sure there was a girl in there too. There's 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 a lady. That's because I'm some broad. That <laughs> shout out shout out to the ladies who are smart. By shout- the way, <laughs> all the ladies. Way to go, dames! <laughs> I'd like to thank all of you. This is what he's really like. Um, was yeah all the time. Is it was it Carol Rosie O'Donnell or uh, or Terry Gar Paula Poundstone? I'm just scrolling. Jane Kaczmarek. Jane Kaczmarek did. uh, You can't just name a lady. 
No, no, no. It was Jane Kaczmarek. She okay. did. No. Okay. She did really well, as did Aisha Tyler. Okay, babe. Was it Yasmin? Bates? Aisha Tyler's got was some like Bernhardt? advanced degree, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's 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 a, she's a, a real. No, like, I remember when I was doing interviews for Archer. She's like got some kind of. Is it biology? Yeah, she's got some kind of crazy degree. She is super. She is a big old nerd. Super smart. As we all look it up, what is Aisha Tyler's degree? I was just about to compliment you and say you're so much better than we are on hand in the dirt. Like you guys vamp and figure out a way to to make the time pass. Nope. We're just like, all right, we let's just, do this real quick, and then ten seconds of silence. Wait, wait, you produce this show, and I'm t I, that tells me that you very smartly tune us out because the number of times that we have read aloud as we type. Oh, I'm sorry, it wasn't biology; it was environmental policy. Yeah. She went to Dartmouth. Shouts out for I her will, going um, to the one fun Ivy. The drinking Ivy. Yeah, the drinking Ivy. While we look this up, I just report from Epcot Canada, a squirrel finished one of my beers. So that is pretty a exciting. A squirrel! <laughs> it was a, a cup was a cup was overturned with a little bit left in it, and a squirrel walked up, walked in, and walked back out happier. So shout Hell out to yes, that Hell yes, brother. Alcoholic squirrels of Disney. This is going to be You don't a... know that it's alcoholic. <laughs> Freedom it trucker squirrels of Disney. <laughs> that squirrel just likes Bot to party. Is. He doesn't have a problem. It might just be Canadian. Oh, that's where truck nuts Canadian from. party squirrel. <laughs> This is going to be the best episode of Rescue Rangers. I cannot wait to see it. I have a question Hi. for you. Hey, I'm Johnny sure. Knoxville, and this is Canadian Party Squirrel. Um, has the, the full cast ever covered the 2015 documentary Finders Keepers? No. <laughs> no. No, we have not. No. I, okay. And I know nothing about it. Holly seems to know what okay. it's about. I'm going to shut up because this is going to be a fun reveal for at least one of you. Okay, so Finders Keepers takes place in Maiden, North Carolina. Uh, Maiden is just like it, before Lake Norman was a thing, there was Maiden, which meant that you were way out in the country, um, probably about 40 minutes away from Charlotte on the northwest side. Um, in the early parts of the 2010s, a nominally famous reality show sort of storage works guy buys a, the contents of a storage unit, which include a smoker grill. He opens up the smoker grill and finds a human foot in it, uh, a partially preserved human foot in it. I'm, I am spoiling the first three minutes of this movie for you. No, this is the how it starts. Of it, yes. This is how it starts, right. It turns out that this foot belonged to a guy who had lost it in a plane crash in which his father died. To honor his father, he then uh, asked the hospital to give him the foot, thinking that he was going to get a series of bones that he could... Uh, preserve and, you know, uh, have as a tribute to his late father. Uh, he did not realize that he would be getting a piece of flesh with it. Within like, the like first a, like three the, minutes of this movie. Like he gets the foot like a dissected pig in, in, in uh, biology class in high school? Exactly. Like, yeah, yes. kind of. They no, nothing like a <laughs> So he can continue so, dissecting it. Being from Maiden, North Carolina... He has a friend who works at Hardee's. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. He takes Look at the foot to the friend who works at Hardee's <laughs> and drops the foot off in their walk in freezer because obviously you need some sort of cold storage for, the for foot. a human foot. He right. turns out of the uh, Hardee's parking lot and his phone rings immediately. And it is the manager of said Hardee's. Who is not very happy about the uh, the presence of a foot? First of all, terrible the, uh... opsec because this happens like right away. <laughs> yeah, right. Like they are caught. I will I will say this with respect. They are caught immediately. <laughs> right. Couldn't be me. I'm yeah. built. I'm built different. Yeah. And right. And not so like he, we would be. of course, because he was already his car was already started. Why would you park your car and uh, go into the store? No, he goes through the drive-through and has his foot passed back through him back to him through the drive-thru at a Hardee's. And that is all within the first five minutes of the movie. Um, it's incredible. I don't know if there is a criterion for the full cast, but it is it's, it's very the special. most like, 
full and made in North Carolina is a place that, you know, is, whew, it's a place. Is that where they shot Dawson's Creek? I just asked that whenever anyone's no, like, they shot that. Sorry. Yeah, that was in Wellington. Okay. Sorry. It's in Wellington. The first of the great teen soap shoots. Everyone from North Carolina, when they say where they're from, because North Carolina has a thousand different small towns, all of completely indiscriminate ge- uh, geographical like positioning. Like, there's no rhyme or reason. North Carolina it could be anywhere. is like Vancouver, America. Right. So when anyone's like, oh, the I'm from. That, the way that I describe it is that. Uh, Horny Town is on the way to Climax, which is just past Welcome. Fair enough. Not far from Meat Camp, right. my favorite name in all of North Carolina. Uh, I just always ask, is that where they shot Dawson's Creek? That's yeah. Like I'm from Meat Camp. Is that where they shot Dawson's Creek? Did you meet Vanderbeek? Oh my God. Right, I which our our state up. government decided to cut off those uh, those funds. They they cut off the tax credits, and it all went down to Georgia. Yeah, way to go, dickheads. I do like the idea of the Avengers in an alternate reality where they don't do that being shot in like Carrie, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like Greens Greensboro, home of the Avengers. Looking out over the surf beach bars of upstate New York. Holy shit! The Avengers <laughs> looks a lot like Eastbound and Down. <laughs> do y'all? I can't remember if we've talked about this before. Do y'all know why? I mean, I guess the Carolinians know, but do, do the rest of y'all know why all of like that Danny McBride, Jody Hill Hive shows are set in the Carolinas? Uh, why? He's from. He's from. Uh, he went to school of the arts. Yeah, here in Winston. He's from there. That whole hive went to NCSA. But after I forget it, I forget if it was after Eastbound and Down or like during Vice Principals. But at one point, that whole cadre like pulls up six because they're living in los angeles at the time that whole cadre that went to ntsa and then where that that went to ncsa and then went off to make movies picks up like with their entire families and they all move back to south carolina like they all live there now and all of those movies like this is why this is just one reason that the i'll talk about this for 15 minutes why the righteous gemstones is so good because it's all getting made like locally and all of the all of the talent is coming like this is why you have accents that you don't have to you know crawl under the bed and embarrassment from i i'm righteous gemstones but they they all moved like with their families to south carolina and we're like yeah california sucks we live here now i, I literally said that last night when we were watching the new righteous gemstones Edie patterson was saying something i just looked over to chelsea and i was like this is the only fucking show that gets like that gets it the, this is the only one that's not like what logan lucky or whatever because they went there meanwhile our house is- yeah, o- Ozark is playing at our house. I have to leave the fucking living Ooh. room every time. There's one character on it. They have not I, gotten better. It has my not ear gotten hurts. better. I, I like I don't watch either. My parents watch it, so I just have yeah. to hear it. Whereas, but like they've been making that show for a long time, and no one has gotten better at voices. Whereas you've got Adam <sighs> Devine, who's from Iowa, but I'm convinced atmospherically has picked up a perfect Carolina accent because yes, he said, I can grasp a cup. When he says, when yeah. he says, no, uh Yes. <laughs> yes there it is. <laughs> no, uh <laughs> It's pitch perfect. It's beautiful. He's the one character on the also, show where I'm like, oh, I knew that, that guy. Adam I knew that guy. pitch perfect, and I love yeah. that for you. <laughs> he, uh, the, entire, the entire thing is completely authentic, and that's before... That's before you let Danny McBride loose. Like, Danny McBride actually might have the most subtle accent. He's the guy from there. But they're all completely pitch perfect and correct. That is right down to, by the way, Eric Roberts, who, from Memphis, I don't Eric e- Hall Pass Roberts, <laughs> as he's known in my home. <laughs> Eric, Eric Roberts, canonical film uncle now, after this role in Righteous Gemstones. As the, the uncle sk- for which the Uncle Buster sweatpants are named. <laughs> that my man. land. That man, that man showed up, and he looks like he walked right out of Shelby County. It's beautiful. <laughs> so there's a um, there amongst the Jeopardy online community. There, there's a tendency on one particular board, and I'm not going to call anybody out, but Do on it. a game that I lost, that uh, this particular person said that they got 58 questions right. Like you can just post whatever you want to up there. Uh, they're like, yeah. oh, I got 58 that questions like right. The and I missed Eric Roberts and I missed uh, Kids in the Hall. And my response to which is, if those are the only two questions that you missed, 
you miss the most important ones. Because, What's wrong with yeah, your life? Like, I don't know you, but right. I hate you. Right. So, I mean, like, it, it's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal experience to be on Jeopardy. But, I mean, if I could get 58 questions right, I, uh, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, if you could, would I trade that for having never seen Best of the Best? Never. Never. <laughs> I, would, I, will, I will die and fly straight to hell on the wings of a giant bat before I give up seeing Best of the Best, the finest Taekwondo movie ever made with Eric <laughs> Roberts and James Earl Jones. There's a scene in that movie, by the way, still one of my favorites. They're like, you got to face the North Korean Taekwondo team. And they flash to like the North Korean Taekwondo team's like regimen. And they're all under freezing waterfalls, shirtless, going like, ah! <laughs> and as a kid, I was like, that's what being an adult is like. Were you wrong? Isn't this no! the one where there's a key, like there, there's like an advice point that's like, if all else fails, punch him in the nuts? Is Basically, best, yeah. Yeah, there's another like extreme... There's a, a, a very loud American Texan type character who wears a cowboy hat to let you know he's from Texas. And he says things on the side, encouraging like, Tommy, drum him like a toilet seat. I'm like, who, who beats up toilet seats? <laughs> that Texas so chili, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Me, when, crushing when, it when's every that, day. When, when, that, when that Texas brisket is moving through you, that's how it works, brother. <laughs> Just grip, hold on two, tight. Two big ribs and a pum, gallon pum, of chili. <laughs> The eyes of Texas are not upon me, because if they were, they'd be horrified. <laughs> don't look. Please don't look. Shameful <laughs> things are happening. In this. I am gigging it. <laughs> it's gigging me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> These raiders have read me the riot act. <laughs> this is like Texas Tech. I have no defense for this. Um, wow. Where are we now? Um, <laughs> Where are any of us really? Um, Lawrence, uh, I I have no further questions for you. Do you have any any further questions for us as a full cast listener who or uh, answers? Is making, yeah, or answers Ooh, answers in the form of questions. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. As the official stay at home so, uncle of both Jeopardy and this podcast. Um, I have two points of quick order. One is All which. Right. Um, Obviously, being on the full cast is such an honor and a privilege. I miss not being able to see Ryan. And if I saw Ryan, I would tell him that my favorite part of the full cast is when he actually makes up musicals and that this is a game show format. Perhaps Spencer grew as too like Spencer got too smart for the the, the musical content, <laughs> but uh, that I could listen to Ryan make up musicals all day. Right. So please tell him that. Please tell him congratulations. I have I want to pitch you guys on something that happened last week, which was the um, the the Grand Theft Auto. Right. So I have yeah. I have a perhaps a scenario in which Grand Theft Auto uh, can be made. And now for this, we have to get absolutely positive. We have to get executive credit for Treb Law um, because our Grand Theft Auto opens in the smoldering remains of a burned down coffee shop bathroom in mm-hmm. Shemokin, Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> and you can, you can choose lit. Let's between go. <laughs> three different characters. You can choose to be Alba who, you know, likes yeah. the donuts at Dunkin' Donuts. You can choose to be mm-hmm. Dutch who drinks Powerade <laughs> and talks to his attorneys. It's or you can joint. choose to be Edna who absolutely now Pennsylvania <laughs> As a Grand Theft Auto universe, <laughs> you've got Pittsburgh, you've got Philadelphia, you have Central Pennsylvania with all of its corrupt judges. Ed Rendell yeah. could be a character. Freddie Mitchell could be a, a character in this. You could have art heists at the Barnes Collection. You, Andy Warhol could be adjacent to it. Uh, can we kill Hitchbot? Like, like, can killing Hitchbot be a mission? Absolutely. Uh, you have, you have final boss Hitchbot. You could you could die and drown in in a dumpster pool, you know. Like the the non playable characters, you know the the words that would come out of the NPC mouth would be just an incredible cross section of that. So that I mean I I fully give, I mean I'm willing to to share credit for that for just synthesizing it. But it's Treblaw and you guys have have written that. It's just out there. 
You have unlocked you Scrapple. Have, you could even have pregame training, like where this has to unlock by voice, but you have to say Grand Theft Auto in the correct Pennsylvanian accent. Grand Theft Auto. Before it, like a breathalyzer test, before it'll even let you drive. Grand like Theft that's, Auto. That's how you know you're ready to exit training mode. The three city maps that flow together so well, Pittsburgh, Central, and Philly, like, it's so distinct, even if you're not from Pennsylvania, you could immediately look at any block of, 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 of any of them and know where you are. This, this, this is genius. This is perfect. Let's, let's, and you could, I'm going to be disappointed whatever they announce if it's not Pennsylvania. Loosely based missions on the movie Striking Distance as well. Uh, <laughs> <so you could> be... <laughs> what was, what, I'm sorry, what was the Boat Cops movie with Michael Keaton set in Pittsburgh? No, that is striking distance. It's Bruce Willis. Is that striking distance? That is striking distance. Yeah, you are a riverboat cop with uh, Dennis Farina and Sarah Jessica Parker. Yes, yes. Striking and you know, distance, in, boat, boat in Pittsburgh, they would have they would have some sort of spoof of Bane taking over the football stadium. We got that going on. You call him like right. Pain or something like that. Lame taking over the football stadium. Santa <laughs> this is Claus. Endless. This is perfect. Yeah, you can beat up Santa <laughs> you gotta Claus defeat again. Santa Claus. You gotta Santa defeat will return, Santa and they're like, Claus. "We can't, we can't have that. Santa can't come back to Philly. We'll show him again." <laughs> you have unlocked batteries. Throw you batteries. You have to earn money at the donut shop in Shamok, and you've got to go back and collect. <laughs> it all starts because you go you back. You gotta there and fight your, your way out of the football jail in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of like ATV materials you could have, you know, in Western. I mean, the vehicle mods are just incredible. I think you should have to fight your way out of every building you enter in Philly, right? Like, you can't enter a building without three people trapping you in at the door and be it's like, bring it. the only way to be sure. Yeah. <laughs> I love this idea. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto, the PA story. This is this is a beautiful idea, Lawrence. And uh, now that you've said it on this podcast, um, I believe you're entitled to a 20% royalty since this is going to yeah. be split between five of us. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Thank oh my god. Oh god, my skin is crawling. <laughs> Woo. That's an idea that's gonna that, hold I'm, water. I'm hearing more Baltimore. I think yeah, I'm there's more a little Baltimore. ball. Like the Bucks, you know, Bucks you know why? Because you watched the Super Bowl and we Al Michaels get, is not out of your system. Yeah. We gotta get we gotta get Kirshner. We gotta get Kirshner and Treblaw on as executive executive producers here. <laughs> How do you sell that in a brown wrapper for the ears? Treblaw's just gonna post like Treblaw's gonna make sure that the design contains entirely too many surgical dummies and instructional dummies, right? Just sort of <laughs> floating with their mouths agape and their unceasing eyes, like looking, yeah, in the middle of like burning coal slag heaps. Oh, this is this is perfect. You had me at burning coal. Slag I know heaps. <laughs> you had me at burning slag heap. <laughs> Oh, that's that's right. That's right. Betty's remind Betty's reminding us that uh that we do we have neglected to do one thing, which is uh we've neglected to plan for the future. Right? Hmm. We've been so present in the moment. For instance, Lawrence, you've just won a substantial sum of money and perhaps you're willing you're wondering where you're gonna put it. Uh Jason, do you have any suggestions Absolutely. for him? Well, if I were you or uh Canada Party Squirrel is back uh, here's Canada. Here's a look at Canada Party Squirrel. If I were that squirrel and I were looking to invest my, my nuts or my acorns, I would go to acorns.com slash fullcast to deposit those into the internet. Uh, and then I would set the buttons to do the things that create more money, which involve investment. Uh, and those can be done at acorns.com slash fullcast. And when you do enough of those things, you get to stop working at your job. Um, and how it works is via economics. <laughs> economics also which by the way apparel.com uh-huh <laughs> tell, oh, me tell me more <laughs> well that's it's got shirts shirts nc state by the way for home field apparel this week nc state dropping a fire ass collection of shirts like i most of the time when we talk about nc state there's a gentle tone of mocking as in the most eight and four program at its peak in college football history and yet yet all respect due to them this week because the NC State collection at homefieldapparel.com, absolute fire, top to bottom. The only ones that mention the custom dairy products of said institution, which I am instantly all in on. Uh, just a fantastic series of choices for both the Wolfpack fan and a person who just likes wearing a big slobbery wolf on a shirt. If you're a person who just loves big slobbering wolves and wants to wear them on a shirt, go ahead. 
Get you to homefieldapparel.com. Big wet wolf. And get you some of the big wet wolf. Big oh. horny wet wolf. Yeah, I'm actually Betty feels a it. Montana State one right now. Yeah. Yes. Looks superb the, on you, Lawrence, the, uh, if I may say so myself. The cat. I love that, that I uh, love that angry kitty. He looks electroshocked. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. I mean that's how you feel that's how you feel when you wake up wake up every morning in Montana. Electroshocked mostly by the cold. Homefieldapparel.com. What is the uh what is the promo code there? Full cast. Why that'd be full cast to get you twenty percent off your first order. Uh I think that's all you need to know. Server, I really love the script Carolina on your shirt right now. Yeah, that I, is I just, hot, man. I just want to say, I like I'm a Clemson fan. I've been a Clemson fan since I was five years old. Even though my yeah, grandmother happens. tried to we, pull we me the other way, we like you. We like I, you. Yeah. And, but I wear this because these shirts are so fucking comfortable, man. They're really awesome. And Clemson, you should really get on board. I don't know what the fuck you're waiting for, because. Um, Right now, you're currently getting cucked by the cocks because I'm wearing their shirts because they're better than anything I can get Woo! with your logo on it. Cox cucked. Yeah. Did you, you hear that, Clemson? You hear that, Dabo? Yeah. You hear that? The challenge, the gauntlet has been thrown. Dabo, Dabo doesn't oh, know what that word. <laughs> Dabo don't know yeah, what that word means, but the red <laughs> solo bad. cup has been thrown <laughs> at your feet. Fuck you and your woo-hoo-hoos in the goddamn fight song. That is right. Hail hail to thee, comfy t-shirt. That's what you say <laughs> to Dabo to get him super fired up. <laughs> I wanted to say one thing with acorns.com, currently saving my money so that I can buy a piece of the moon. Because in, I, lo I love nothing more than articles that say, economists say, because it just means like one person said it. And then somebody else was like, that's possible. And then the person writing the headline can go, economists say uh, that we should privatize the moon in order to relieve poverty on Earth. Uh, there, I'll do it. Yeah? In. I'm in. Dibs. We're going to be privateers on the moon. We're going to find those snakes. They're real and they're up there. And we were right all along. We're going to find them for Ryan. Yeah. Bring him back, shower him in snakes as a baby present. Welcome home. Ooh, I had another thing that I, I meant to mention to you guys. I had a conversation with Server yesterday about this. So for the EDSBS charity pool, Spencer has taken a lot of Michigan tattoos. And mm -hmm. we all know how it's going to end. And my uncle was a Georgia Tech graduate. My, I have two uncles that are Georgia Tech graduates. I have an aunt that's a Michigan graduate. So what I would offer to you as a, you know, uh, whatever, whatever kind of offering it is, is for the third place team in the charity bowl. I have no tattoos on my body, but that team can put something on my body. Uh, I just felt. You realize this it. might so, be Texas A and M. It might be. It, it might, might be, be the Texas A and M. Right. Yeah. I'm. I'm okay with that. I love it here. We're building something great here. It's fantastic. I love that it here. I don't know how many times I got to tell you. I love it here. That's and when people say, idea. but it might be Georgia. Go dogs. <laughs> yeah, no, it might it might be Georgia. They might finish third, which they're more used to than what happened this year. But uh, if you get the Aggies one, just remember, it pisses me off that people suggest you wouldn't want to get an Aggies tattoo. It's a great right. education. It's a great university. Everyone here, I, I get pissed off when people say that. I'm sorry. Excuse my language. 